Hey, this is Doug Eccles. We want to welcome you to our podcast, Got Better Things for You. Why don't you stand with me? I think my mom and dad are watching, so I'm glad they're, you know, somebody likes my preaching. At least my mother does. And my dad, if he was here, he'd be saying glory all the time. You know, he likes to, when I preached when I was very young, he'd say glory. I said, Dad, why do you say glory so much? And he'd say, well, because you get what you say. He said, and you're not doing too good, so I'm trying to help you a little bit. <laughs> glory, you know, so that's why sometimes we say glory, all right? How many believe that we need a little glory? He said he's coming for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. You're not going to get to glory without some glory, amen? So praise God. Let's look to John 16, verse 23 through 24. John 16, and I want to really talk about miracles tonight. And, uh, uh, you know, this Bible is a miracle book. If you don't believe in miracles, you probably don't even believe the Bible because it begins with miracles, ends with miracles. And uh, the truth is about miracles, really, uh, uh, you know, if you can do without them, you probably will. But I found out I can't do without miracles. I need miracles. From time to time, I need supernatural intervention. I need God's help. And uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I found out miracles happen, all right? John 16, verse 23 through 24, And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever or whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Amen. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the anointing that destroys every yoke of bondage. I pray, Lord, that faith would arise in every heart, that we would mix the word with faith. Let it explode in us tonight. And I pray that uh, every limitation would be broke off. And I thank you, Lord, that this is the place of liberty and freedom. Let the gifts of the Spirit be in operation. You said that we should covet earnestly the best gifts. And, Lord, uh, I'm asking for the gift of faith, the gift of miracles, the gifts of healing. This day uh, in America, we need these things uh, like never before that we may profit. Lord, we, uh, we are uh, standing on your word tonight, and we know that you have guaranteed your word would not return void, but it would prosper in that which it is sent. If there be one here tonight or listening that is not right with you, make it hot for them right now that they be drawn to Jesus by the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. In your mighty name we pray, Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Amen. Why don't you tell your neighbor before you're seated, miracles still happen. Come on, tell somebody, miracles still happen. And then you may be seated, all right? Miracles still happen, amen. Jesus said, whatever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. So really there's no limitation to what believers may ask for and receive. He didn't just say, you're going to get something that'll help you in church, but he said, whatever. And I believe that uh, he's saying, I'll help you uh, at home. I'll help you at work. I'll help you in every area of your life. And yet I find that uh, some people still don't believe in miracles. They read the Bible and they don't even think those are miracles, but they're, 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 this is not a fairy tale. 
This is not, you know, you kiss the prince or the frog and he becomes your prince. This is not uh, Hallmark movies that all end well, you know. This is something that is true. And uh, you hear people at times say, well, the day of miracles has passed. But I'm going to say what men say cannot limit what my God can do. Amen? Maybe you've been told it's too late for your situation, but I say what men say cannot limit what my God can do. Uh, maybe you've been told that what you have is permanent, but what men say cannot limit what my God can do. And maybe you've been told it will never happen, but I'm going to say what men say cannot limit what my God can do. He's the uh, unlimited. God. When I read the New Testament, there's something about Jesus. He's called Master and Lord over and over. Master and they call him Lord. A person that has control or dominance of a situation. And I think about Jesus. He's the master. He's the master of the sea. And he's the master of the wind. And he's the master of the impossible. So if you're out here today and, and uh, the sea is boisterous and the waves are big all around you, he steps out and he says, peace be still. He's the master of the impossible. He never changes according to Malachi chapter 3. He never changes. My God never changes. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do we still believe that here? And I think some people have a tendency to be real pessimistic in life. They walk around and they say, man, there's something bad going to happen. Something bad's going to happen. Tragedy's going to happen. But I'm going to tell you, if that's how you feel, I'm going I'm to turn it around a little bit because I believe a miracle can happen just as fast as tragedy. See, if you are one of those that believe uh, a tragedy can happen at any moment, well, the truth is miracles can happen as quickly as tragedy, and you're as close to a miracle as you are tragedy today. Amen? I believe that miracles still happen. Number one, miracles happen for those that believe in them. Miracles happen for those that believe in them. Mark 16 Verse 17 and 18, it says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. It didn't say he'd follow those that are skeptical. He didn't say he'd follow those that doubt. But these signs will follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. When we preach this Bible, you've got to understand this is not some weak gospel. This is not a weak uh, woman's gospel, a weak teenager's gospel, a weak man's gospel, but this is a strong man, strong woman, strong teenager's gospel, and it takes some backbone to preach it, but when you preach the word of God, signs will follow the gospel. Do you still believe that? See, I think the problem is uh, that uh, the Bible has not changed, but we have diluted the word down, and we have watered it down, and we didn't water it down with nasty well water from Bixby. We have diluted it down with uh, something, and we think, well, people can't take it. I'm going to tell you, and I've heard people say, uh, 
people don't understand what you're preaching. I'm gonna tell you, half the stuff I heard preached when I was growing up, I didn't understand, but the preaching was not to my head, it was preaching to my spirit, and the spirit of God was changed on the inside. I believe that those men that were walking with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, they didn't understand everything that Jesus said about the Bible, but their heart did burn within them. And when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, these people hadn't been to all kinds of newcomers class and had all kinds of discipleship. They are hearing the word from Peter the first time and 3,000 got saved when their heart was pricked. What about Lydia, the seller of purple? It didn't say God opened up her mind. It said it opened up her heart. I'm believing that this gospel still opens up people's heart and brings miracles. And when you preach it without diluting it, it still brings miracles. Somebody say amen. There's a man in the Bible by the name of Elisha. Elisha was a man of God. And uh, there was a young man that was, the Bible says he was uh, one of the sons of the prophets. And uh, he was cutting down a tree with an axe. And uh, when he's cutting down that tree with an axe, the axe head fell into the Jordan River. Now, the problem with that was that axe was borrowed. It wasn't, it was a borrowed axe. Do you understand that? Last week I went to uh, uh, my brother-in-law's brother's church and preached in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And by the way, it's cold there. I felt like wearing a tank top in Oklahoma compared to there. It was cold. But I was preaching there and uh, my oldest daughter is getting married in May and her fiance is moved here and his truck had to get worked on. I said, do it while I'm in Indiana. That way you can drive my car. Well, he didn't want to drive my car because he doesn't want to borrow stuff. How many know when you borrow stuff, you're always, I don't know how you feel. If I borrow somebody's stuff, I'm afraid it might break down while I'm driving it. Or I might back into, or somebody back into me. You know, if it's a rental car, boom, boom, you know, bam, bam, you know, open the door, you know, whatever. Okay, I'm not, you probably shouldn't do that either. I don't really worry about the rental car that much. Okay, sorry, if you work for one of the rental companies. But I really don't worry about a car that I've rented because I paid for it. The one that you borrow. So he's worried because he borrowed this axe. The axe head falls into the water. Iron sinks. So they call Elisha to recover it. And Elisha, he throws a stick into the river. And the axe head floats to the surface. Now this is impossible. Iron does not float unless it's a ship. And I'm pretty sure there's a reason that I should have learned in school. But I went to Woodard High School. But iron does not float. But the impossible became possible because of the anointing. He threw that stick in there. And now that stick is a representation of something else. It is a type or a, a shadow of the cross. Jesus, we were messed up. And uh, we should have been on the cross. But Jesus, he was nailed to the tree. He was nailed to that stick. And because of that stick, that tree, that was an offense to many, we are redeemed from the curse. We have the miraculous avail to you and I, the miraculous happens because of the anointing. 
When I was a young man in church, a lot of times if we prayed for the sick, we would sing, only believe, only believe, all things are possible. Well, Hebrews 11 talks about miracles, but they come by only believing or faith, by faith. Sarah had a baby. By faith, the children of Israel passed through the Red Sea on dry land. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, miracles happened. I was preaching in Chesapeake, Virginia. and We had a week of revival that went really bad, okay? But the Lord spoke to me before I went that we were going to go on in revival. I'm glad he did before. But I'm just waiting because I'm, we had nobody saved all week long, and that's very unusual. I can't even count, but maybe a couple of times that ever happened. The whole week you go dry. All right? The next Sunday we went on. Pastor said, I feel the Lord told me to go on. I said, he told me earlier, but I was waiting for him to tell you. We went on the next week. We had 22 saved the next Sunday. So we began to see things happen. The third week of revival. We were having some great things happen in the meeting, and you know, you can take this or leave it. It doesn't make me any difference. I'm just telling you what was happening. We had people that were falling out when they got prayed for, you know, and, and it was making some people mad. How many know there's always Pharisees in church? The fair I see. You know what I'm saying? There's all, you know, and nobody thinks they're the Pharisee in church. That's, oh, that's those other people. But they were mad. You know, and I'm like, you know what, I don't really care as long as God's blessing people, you know. And so I made a statement I didn't really have scripture for. I said, when people fall out, leave them alone. That's God's operating table. I don't really have scripture, you know, John 3, 6, 17 doesn't say that. All right, but I just said it just to get people off the pastor's back. All right, because I just thought it was ridiculous to make a deal out of it. I said, are they getting blessed or are they getting cursed? If they're getting blessed, leave them alone. All right, so I went over to pray for a lady, and the lady stopped me. She said, I have surgery scheduled in the morning. Her name was Gloria. Gloria said, I have surgery scheduled. I am scheduled for a double mastectomy tomorrow. She said, I have breast cancer in the very last stages, and it doesn't look very good. She said, but I believe that when your wife and you lay hands on me, I am going to be healed. Now, my wife and I couldn't wait to pray for her. We didn't pray, Lord, you know, oh, by our faith, let it be. We prayed like this, according to her faith, let it be so. According to her faith. When we prayed for her, she just happened to fall out. We were praying for a few other people. About half an hour later, Glory comes up off the floor, comes over to me, and she says, Brother Doug, she said, I, God did not put me down on his operating table for me to leave the same way I've come. She said, I will be back tomorrow night to testify of the healing power of Jesus Christ. She said, I'm going for surgery. She said, but I know they're going to send me home because something changed. I, and I said, I bet you'll be back. How many believe I should have quit betting when I got saved? <laughs> so anyway, the next night, nobody had heard from Gloria. Nobody had heard anything from Gloria. Nobody heard. She told the pastor, don't call me. Don't come to the hospital. I, they're sending me home. It would be a waste of your time. 7 o'clock, the pastor's playing the guitar. His wife's playing the keyboard. 
things are going well, but nobody's seen glory. I'm sitting on the front row, and all of a sudden, about 7.15, I see something in my peripheral vision run by me, run up on the platform. It's Gloria. She pushes the pastor aside. She says, I don't mean any offense, but she said, I got to tell what the Lord has done for me today. I was ready for surgery. They were ready to put me under. They had the anesthesiologist there ready to put me under, and uh, uh, she said, my surgeon came in and said, we want to run one more test, Gloria. I think we should run another test. They ran another test. He came back in. He said, get your clothes back on, Gloria, and go home. He said, we must have made some kind of mistake. How many know there was no mistake made on the cross of Calvary for this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. It wasn't hard to have church that night. Even the dead folks wanted prayed for. You start having miracles, even the dead folks will want to come and get prayed for. Miracles happen for those that believe. Miracles happen, number two, for those who ask for them. In Matthew the seventh chapter, verses nine through eleven, or what man is there of you whom, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If he, you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more, how much more, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? I'm going to tell you, you need to ask. Your Father, your heavenly Father is a good God. The devil's a bad devil. I'm going to make my uh, case here tonight. I have very simple theology. God's a good God and the devil's a bad devil. And if you're a good God, you ask him for something good, he will give you good things things. Another place he said he'll give you the Holy Spirit. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, ask to be filled. If you need a, a miracle, ask. Uh, I believe uh, according to the word of God, he will give you good things. Amen. Do we believe that? How many know that Corona is not a good thing? You know, somebody said, well, I think this is God giving it to people. I'm going to tell you, liar, liar, pants on fire. I hate that stuff. God's good. The devil's tried to wipe people out. Do you realize that when God made this earth, he's the creator of everything. Do you realize he made it all? Genesis chapter 1, the first day it was good, second day it was good, third day good, fourth day good, fifth day good, sixth day very good. So when which of those six days, if he made it all, did he make corona? The devil's a liar. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And I'm going to tell you, I don't see any good of corona. It's either bad or very bad. I'm preaching good here. Go to John 14, 14. You weren't with me very good on that. It's okay anyway. Whatever. John 14, 14. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now that verse right there. Very simple verse. There's a school in Waxahachie, Texas, Southwestern University now, but it began in Enid, Oklahoma. It was Southwestern Institute. And the president of Southwestern Institute when it was at Enid, Oklahoma, was P.C. Nelson. And P.C. Nelson, uh, when I was 19, my dad gave me a book, Bible Doctrines. The easiest book on Bible doctrines, but still profound. How many know that people that are smart ought to be able to write a book that simple people can understand? So I understood it. See, I, I read some books and I'm like, what are they trying to prove? That they're smart? We don't, if you're smart, you ought to make it easy. 
Okay, I'll leave that alone. But P.C. Nelson was a very smart man. I think if you were smart, you'd say he was a learned man. He could write in 32 languages. He could speak in 32 languages. That's 32 ahead of me. All right, 32 languages he could write and read. Now, when he read his Bible, he didn't read it out of the King James. He didn't read it out of the New Living Translation, English Standard Version, the NIV. Of course, some of those weren't around. But he would read his straight out of the Hebrew in the Old Testament and straight out of the Greek in the New Testament. And so he was asked by a group of Bible college students, what does this verse mean? If you'll ask anything in my name, I will do it. And he answered this way. He said, it would literally say, if you'll ask anything in my name and I don't have it, I will make it for you. He's the creator of everything. If he, if he doesn't have it, he can make it for you. There's creative miracles available. Whatever is damaged beyond repair, God will replace it. That's the kind of God we serve. When Laura and I first got married, she'd had a Pontiac Firebird, but then she got rid of that and, and bought a new Ford Probe. I think she messed out right there. Buying a car called Probe is probably the dumb mistake. Okay, you ought to know that anything named Probe, you don't want it. I'm going to preach over here. So at least my sister's laughing at me. Nobody else gets it, but I'm just weird, okay? I, I like having a good time. But she had this Ford Probe. She bought it at Bill Brown Ford. Bill Brown, she drives it down the road a bit. It stalls. Brand new. She has to call Bill Brown. The service department picks it up with a tow truck. They look through it. They said, Lori, we can't find anything wrong with your car. It started fine, runs fine now. She drove it a few days, and it stalls again. Well, this time when you call Bill Brown, they said, well, we're going to do something different. That car is half Mazda, half Ford. It's made at the Flat Rock, Michigan Mazda plant. That's halfway between Detroit and Toledo. They came with a flatbed truck, put her Ford Probe on that flatbed, took it to the manufacturer, took the car apart until they found the problem. Now I'm telling you, a lot of us are taking our problems to the dealer when we need to take it to the manufacturer. We're looking for people to help us, but I'm going to tell you, we need to look unto the Lord, and if you'll ask anything in his name, he said, I will do it. Number three, miracles happen for those who expect them. For those that expect them. When I read through the Bible, I find no more expectancy than I do in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, the fifth chapter, here's the, the epitome of expectancy. Acts 5, verse 15 and 16, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. They didn't quarantine people. They brought them out in the street. Okay. Maybe we didn't water down the gospel so much. 
Maybe if we hadn't put the Holy Ghost back in some room and were ashamed of them because the power of the Lord is present to heal according to Luke chapter 5 and the Holy Ghost is the power of the Lord. If we wouldn't be so ashamed of the Holy Ghost, maybe we'd already be done with Corona. And maybe if we didn't take communion like it was a, 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 a cheese nip, is that what they're called? Cheese it. When I was a kid, I think they were called cheese nips. Okay? Same thing. You know what I'm talking about. We take it like it's a snack. Folks, he says when you take it unworthily. Man, when I was a kid, my mom said, you kids on the way, it's communion Sunday. You better make sure you're living for the Lord. And if you got something in your heart, you need to get rid of it. See, maybe we need to go back to that. Okay, that's another sermon. I'm talking about expectancy. The shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. That's called expectancy. Oh, Roberts here in this town got made fun of sometimes because he said expect a miracle. But I'm going to tell you, I don't know what you want us to expect. you want us to expect a, uh, a horrible thing to happen? See, when you come with the attitude to church that says, try and bless me, preacher, that's no expectancy. But when you come with the attitude, I'm blessed to be a blessing, it changes everything. Come expecting a miracle. Expectancy is an attitude that says there's nothing the devil's done to me that my God can't do something about right now. How many know that the devil, he might bring you some trouble and he might bring you some issues, but I'm going to tell you the issues and trouble are nothing compared to what my God can do for me right now. I've been to Israel a couple of times, and the first time I went to Israel, we went to the upper room, and it was where I wanted to go. I mean, I'm looking forward. I love the Holy Ghost. Okay, and I, I, I'm looking forward to going there. I love Sea of Galilee. I love, you know, uh, uh, Mount Carmel where they call fire down. I, I even like the valley uh, of Megiddo where Armageddon will be fought because I'm, I'm going to be there. It'll, it'll be a bloody place. If you don't like blood, you're probably not going to like that very much. I think blood's up to the top of the horse. Yeah. Interesting. It's another story. But I like Israel. But I, what I love best is the upper room where the Holy Ghost was outpoured on the day of Pentecost. First time we go in there, I'd been contemplating changing the name of our ministry, Holy Ghost Celebration Ministries, because all, you know, all my you know, friends that you know, think they know everything, they say, Doug, you shouldn't say the word Holy Ghost. It bothers our people, you know. And, and I'm like, well, you know, and I, I was kind of caving into that a little bit. But the Lord gave me Holy Ghost Celebration because if you'll have a Holy Ghost Celebration, a lot of people get saved because you magnify, the Holy Ghost magnifies Jesus and testifies Jesus. So if you have a celebration, you're going to have a a lot of people get saved. But I was kind of like, okay, I'll change the name to world. You know, if you show a little sad kid and say world, nobody's upset about that. They just don't like Holy Ghost. Okay, forget it. I'm just opening a lot of can of worms tonight. So on the way in, the door to the upper room is kind of short. I have to kneel down to, or, you know, bow down a little bit to get through. 
When I bow down to get through, I'm the last one, and a dove sweeps down and brushes my head and my shoulder, and Pastor Terry Wiles begins shaking me. It's a dove, it's a dove, it's a dove. And he goes, what do you think? Well, God spoke to me. Don't back off the Holy Ghost. It's what our people need the most. And I didn't have to do anything to have a move of God there. We had like 50-some people from uh, Connecticut. We had uh, 38 from New Jersey. Lori's from Michigan, and I'm the only one that spoke good English. I needed an interpreter the whole week. But we could walk in there, and I've been in the church in New Jersey. I've held, uh, I probably, I, I held a 12-week meeting there. So I've held 200 and some services in that church. And, and the church from uh, uh, Connecticut, I've been there two times a year since 1990. So I know these people. And all I did was read Acts 1-8, but you'll receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I read Acts 2, uh, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they're all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind through all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. The Spirit of God gave them utterance. I just quoted the scripture. I said, lift up your hands and begin to praise God. And I'm telling you, God moved in a powerful way. And I'm looking. I'm crying I'm so blessed. You know, it's okay to cry. It's okay to have emotion. I'm, I'm blessed. And, but I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, I've been in revival in those churches and these people aren't acting like they do at their church. They act dead in their church compared to the upper room. What's the difference? Same Holy Ghost in me. Same Jesus. I brought him with me. Expectancy. For months, we've been saying, we get to the upper room, we're going, to have a, we're going to have a Holy Ghost outpouring. It's going to be great, it's going to be great, it's going to be great, it's going to be great. But we come to church and we say, you know, go ahead and try to bless me, Pastor. My dad, he always calls, we talked to me today, he said, how'd it go today? And I said, well, of all the sermons I preached, it was one of them. <laughs> of all the services I've been, that was one of them. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes that's how we respond. The next time we went to the upper room, we go in there. This time, Israel's changed a lot. You, you wear a headset and you have earphones on so when your guide takes you around, he doesn't have to talk real loud. He can just whisper and you can hear everything in your ear. Well, we go to the upper room. The, the guide, he said, you know, you know more about this than I do. He said, here's the thing. You do whatever you want. So I have the headset on. I'm looking like Garth Brooks on a rope, you know, because it's a big old, it's got a big old microphone thing on it. It's pretty funny to me. And uh, I forget it's on, though. And I just went through the same thing. We're in there. Uh, there's, we're all from North Carolina this time, except Lori and I. And, uh, and there's a, some people had come in the back from Niger, uh, Kenya, Kenya. And uh, they were there on an educational trip, not spiritual they were just you know checking it out all right but so I get up and I just read Acts 1 quote Acts 2 and I just said everybody just lift up your hands and we just start praying and I'm praying loud and I'm I got my eyes shut I usually pray with my eyes open because that way if something weird goes on you can stop it okay don't act like you don't think anything weird happens in church come on but you know what the Holy Ghost doesn't make people weird anybody weird was already weird before the Holy Ghost just thought I'd mention that. Weird people just do weird things with or without the Holy Ghost. Okay. So, 
I'm just praying, and I got my eyes closed, and all of a sudden this, I feel something hitting me, poking me real hard in the chest. I open my eyes, and it's the guy that is the curator of the upper room. He's like the guy that runs the upper room. It's like a museum now. They, they say things used to happen here, but it doesn't anymore. Okay, so he's poking me real hard, and he says, you need to calm down, sir. Well, I forget I have the microphone on so everybody can hear me. I take my finger, and I poke him back in the chest. You need to leave me alone. I figured if he can poke me, I can poke him back. All right? And all the people are seeing, hearing it, and I don't realize they hear me, you know, and it's a good thing I'm not a pastor. See, I'm an evangelist, you know. I can do things that a pastor can't do. So I'm poking him back, and he's, he's going, we want you guys to calm down. I said, look, I spent thousands of dollars to be here, and I'm going to rejoice in the Lord whether you like it or not. And when I did, all our whole group just got real loud. I mean, they went. And I'm looking out there, and those people are responding like I've never seen before. Now the Kenyans are coming up to get prayer. Our team's laying hands on them. They're falling out. God's moving in a great way. Now, why does that happen there, and it doesn't happen here? It's the same Holy Ghost. It's not the location. It's what about us? Expectancy is the difference between a meeting and a great meeting. Are you anticipating a move of God? That's what I'm asking. Number four, I'm about, I'm about done. I got two more. Just hang with me. Miracles happen for those who receive them. Miracles happen for those that receive them. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. What things soever you desire when you pray, Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. See, it says believe when you pray, not when you receive. See, I, a lot of people, when I receive, I, then I believe. But no, he said believe when you pray. And you know, the truth is tonight, we need to have a target for our faith. General prayers generally go unanswered. But when your faith has a target, faith is what pleases God. So we need to ask very specific. When you come and ask for a miracle, when you're asking God to move in your life, be very specific uh, about what you want. You have not because you ask not. It's not the time we wear whatever uh, to think on these good things, but whatever is not how we pray. He said, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. How many understand Today, prayer has become like the lottery to the Pentecostals. Oh, let's get on social media and ask as many people as we can ask to pray, and maybe one of them will get their prayer answered. We don't need everybody to pray. We just need one person to believe. Why don't you be the one person that believes? Why don't you be the believer? We don't need everybody. We need one person. There is power in agreement. I understand that. But I'm going to tell you something. You look how America, we can't hardly agree on anything, and in church you can't agree on anything, so it's pretty hard. That's why Lori and I, I'm, I'm married nearly 30 years, and we know the only thing we're going to agree on is the Word of God. She likes different food than I like. All right? Just how... Tonight I walked in the house and usually she likes it cold. It was 74. I'm not even sure what was going on. But I'm telling you, whatever I am, she's going to be opposite. But we know to agree on the word of God. 
Last, miracles happen, number five, for those who obey. Miracles happen for those who obey. The word of God in Isaiah is, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat, oh, just barely enough to get by. Oh, he said you'll eat the good of the land. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Lord, I, once a year we go to a, a conference with ministers and we're at this conference. They have church Monday night, Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, Wednesday, Wednesday morning, you know, through Friday. And we had came with offering the same amount for every service and it was pretty good size offering, okay? But it might not be a good size for you. You know, everybody's different. To the widow woman, two mites was a lot. To those that aren't the widow woman, that's the, don't give like you're the widow woman if you're not the widow woman. Don't give like you're poor if you're not poor. That's all I'm going to say. So we weren't giving like we were poor, but we, you know, but our, our what we were given may not be what somebody else could do. I don't know. We gave our best, I thought, but then the Lord spoke to me the first night. Give the biggest offering you've ever given. We laid it out. Okay. I could talk about it, but I'm telling you for a reason. You said the next month, I had five people. Now, I've been in the ministry since 1983. I've never had a month like I had. I had five people hand me $1,000 just in cash. Not for a well, not for anything, just wanted to bless us. You say, well, it's a coincidence. Well, how many know coincidences stop when we stop praying and we stop giving? Isn't that funny how they stop? He said, given it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, running over, men will give under your bosom. Okay, that works for the preacher. What about anybody else? Okay, let's give somebody else. I'm preaching in this state. I won't tell where, but I preach Sunday through Wednesday. Wednesday night, they've been taking a love offering every service for the evangelist. And so when I'm getting ready to walk out the door, the pastor handed me an envelope. I assumed it was the love offering. I stuck it in my coat pocket. As I'm walking out the door, there's a girl, 18, going to be 19 very quickly. She does artwork for our ministry from time to time. I know her. She comes up and hands me a fat envelope. I mean, really fat, thick. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And I'm thinking, okay, she handed me like a prophecy, you know, that, uh, that Hitler lives in Argentina and Elvis is alive and, you know, and judgment's coming to you, okay? That's, I get those from time to time. You, nobody knows what I'm talking about? Okay. I get the weirdos give me stuff. So if you're planning on giving it to me, give it to my wife, and then she'll give it to me, okay? So you don't feel like you're the weirdo, okay? So I got that big envelope. I don't look in it. I stuck it in my wall, in my jacket. I went to Buffalo Wild Wings after church by myself, ate. Then I went to the hotel, taking my jacket off, and I see the envelope, and I open up the envelope from the church, I look at the check, and I've decided that the church didn't love me at all. <laughs> Whatever. It was okay. And uh, then I opened the other one, and I'm thinking, you know, get ready. Somebody's got something weird. They're, you know, they pulled it off the Internet, and they printed it out. or I don't know, you know. So I open it up, but it's not paper. It's money, and it's thick. I start counting it out. It's more than the church gave me. One girl. So because she does artwork with, for me, I have her cell number, okay? And I, I, my girls are 
you know, 22 and 25, they, their phone is in bed with them. So it was kind of late, but I thought, you know, I'm going to just text her and thank, tell it. So I text her, I say, hey, tell your mom and dad thanks for the offer. She texted me right back. She said, that wasn't from my mom and dad. She said, that was money I was saving up for a car, but the Lord told me to give it to you. She said, I have a dream. My dream is to be a missionary to Russia. She said, but I don't have the money, and I don't know how I'm going to get there. And she said, really, uh, I, I'm just believing the Lord to help me. I said, I'll pray for you. Three months later, I got a text from her. She said, I'm fully funded to go to Russia. And I want to tell you, somebody in the church gave me a brand new car. You can't outgive God. So it doesn't work just for the preacher. Get, Luke 6.38 works for everybody. It may not come the same way, but it comes no matter what. Because I pay tithes and I give offerings, I have access to the windows of heaven being opened to me. Amen? Acts 5.32, and we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. He will give the Holy Ghost to those that obey him. Now, remember, I'm closing with this story. Jesus is preaching to a multitude of people, and he's backed up against the Sea of Galilee, like a huge lake. We're not talking Bixoma here, okay? We're talking a huge lake. He's backing up, and as he's backing up, he gets into Simon Peter's boat and preaches to the people in that boat. Now, in Luke 5 and 4, now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. Simon Peter got an instruction. The instruction gave birth to Simon Peter's miracle. But Simon Peter almost short circuits his miracle. He starts out with, but I fished all night. If you be willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. But I fished all night. Now, I've been to the Sea of Galilee. I talked to some fishermen. I said, do you still catch fish here? Yeah, people make a living catching fish out of the Sea of Galilee. I said, where's the fish? Are they out in the middle of the, the deep part? They said, no, there's an area over here, shallow. Look at where all the boats are. That's shallow over there, and there's a natural spring. The water's warmer there. That's where all the fish are. I said, so you wouldn't be catching a lot of fish out in the middle. He said, I doubt there's any out there. How many know God knows how to get you to the right place? even if everybody else said it's impossible. Hmm. But I think about this. The Lord uses Simon Peter's boat, but he's the master of the sea. He doesn't even need a boat. He just walked out on the water. I'm going to preach to you on the water. So Simon Peter needed Jesus to use his boat more than Jesus needed to use Simon Peter's boat. Does that make sense? He wanted to make Simon Peter a famous fisher of men. He fished all night and caught nothing, but his obedience changed it all. Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. Do you ever talk to people say, I work all the time and I don't have anything to show for it? I worked all, I work all the time and I don't, it just doesn't seem like I can get ahead. Divine assistance is available for whoever's been struggling to make it in life with no results to show for it. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. 
Today I join my faith with yours that stubborn mountains might be removed. Friday night I was at Kim, my brother-in-law, here on the second row there. I was at his brother's house. Two brothers were there, all of us preacher's sons. We're talking about stuff. We're talking about your dad. Bishop Clark, uh, you know, I'm talking about him, and I'm like, well, they were talking about how he got saved. We're talking about a guy that one decision changed, one good decision changed every bad decision he'd ever made in his life. He broke the curse off of his family when he came to Christ. You think about that. One right decision can fix every bad decision you did in your life. You think about that. See, there's families that say, man, we're all, think about those people that had heroin addicts at that meeting in West Virginia. Maybe they have a whole family of addiction. Drug addicts, alcoholics, perverted minds, all these things. One right decision can break that off from generations. See, you might have family that have all kinds of issues, but you can be the one that breaks it off. One right decision. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. How many believe that? Same with me in this place. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just lift up your hands just for a moment. Lord, we bless your name. We magnify your name. We exalt your name. We glorify your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that you're speaking to us. My sheep know my voice. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Lord, let us, let us do what you want us to do. Let us be what you want us to be. Let us say what you want us to say tonight. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to just listen to me for a moment. You realize that everybody here has an appointment that you're going to be right on time for. See, at times we're late for our appointments. We're late for the doctor. We're late for the hairdresser. We're late for the mechanic. We're late for church. We're late for school. And sometimes, you know, we can say, well, the bridge was busy. You know, we had a flat tire, bad hair day. We have our excuses. But the appointment I'm talking about, you're going to be right on time for. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. If you had to stand before God for your appointment, you're going to stand before him. Are you ready? If this was your appointment, are you ready? I'm not asking what you did in the past. I'm not asking what you plan to do in the future. I'm talking about right now. If this was your appointment, are you ready? If you have sin in your life, you're not ready for your appointment with God. If you have disobedience in your life, you're not ready for your appointment with God. God's speaking to your heart right now. And at times, you know, when the preacher begins talking, we say, well, you know, I'd like to respond to what you're saying, but what will my friends think? What will my pastor think? What will my wife think? What will my uh, uh, classmates think? You know what? It doesn't matter what any of those people think because when you stand before God, it will just be you and God. It will not be you, God, and your family, you and your classmates and God. It will be just you and God. So it only matters really what he thinks. So I'm asking you to check yourself. If you're watching by Facebook, 
check yourself. If you're listening tonight, I want you to check yourself. And I'm going to ask a little bit backwards tonight, so I want you to pay really close attention. Tonight, if you're in this building and you say, Preacher, you know, I'm about 98 or 99% sure I'm ready for that appointment. I'm ready for my appointment to meet God. I'm going to say if you're only 98 or 99% sure, you're 100% lost. 1 John 5.13 says you can know you have eternal life. Luke 10 says you can know your name is written in heaven. Romans 8 would say you can know you're a child of God. So I'm asking, are you 100% sure you're ready for that appointment when you stand before God? Are you ready for that? If that was right now, you're 100% sure if that's you. Would you lift up your hand and leave it in the air for a moment? I'm 100% sure, preacher, that I'm ready to meet God. Leave it up if you know. If you don't know, don't, don't, don't raise it. Just don't worry. But All right, you can put your hands down. Now, what I saw, I believe God already knows. God has a book, the Lamb's Book of Life, and the Bible even says in Revelation, just keep your eyes closed for a moment. In Revelation, it says that some names are blotted out of that book. So some of you might have been ready to meet God in times past, but you're not now. God's speaking to your heart. There's some people that did not raise their hand, and I believe tonight the greatest miracle, the greatest decision you can make is respond to this altar call tonight. You can respond to God speaking to your heart right now. He's speaking to you. I'm going to tell you, Pastor said this was not an accident. This is a divine appointment. We're here on purpose and God sent me here for you tonight. God's speaking to your heart. This is his mercy reaching out to you. The Bible said if you're ashamed of Jesus, he will be ashamed of you. It says if you deny Jesus, he will deny you. But he says these words of mercy. He that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. That's mercy words right there. 